We're joined by Maurice Bester, who is uh, from Ellen Gray, to share her thoughts. Maurice, thank you so much for your time. Hi, Natasha. Thank you for having me. And good evening to the listeners from a very cold and wet Cape Town. Uh, amazing. I, I mean, uh, not the weather that bit, but uh, it's, it's always nice to, to talk to people in different provinces. Like It just always reminds you that how we miss traveling. And I think uh, a lot of the listeners you know, miss the idea of waiting um, at uh, customs or border control. But we will get there. I am optimistic. However, the past year has been, you know, rather challenging for all of us. And and I'm curious to understand from your perspective, what kind of investor behavior have you seen over the past year? Yeah, so I say, I would say most clients, um, and I'm including myself here, make the mistake, you know, over and over again with our money sometimes. So we buy high out of greed and then we sell low out of fear despite actually knowing on an intellectual level that it's a very bad idea. So we've seen this behavior more than 10 years ago with the global financial crisis. And actually, if we fast forward a few years, few years later to today, it's interesting but also sobering to realize that sometimes we actually don't seem to have learned much from our mistakes in the past. And we noticed on our local investment platform that local high-equity funds experienced their highest switch outflows in March 2020 when the all-share index or when the market was at its lowest and fear was at its highest. So this behavior seems to abate towards the end of 2020 and into 2021 as the market staged more of a recovery and investors' appetite for higher equity offerings both locally and offshore also increased. So, you know, while investors may have felt better exiting the market when they did and re-entering when optimism returned, in the end, they actually lost out on the recovery that followed in their absence. So what I'm hearing there is uh, try to hang tight as much as you can and ignore the noise. I, I want to yes. unpack, you know, the idea of capital preservation and growth. I mean, it sounds so easy to just say it, like investing for capital preservation and growth. But what do we really mean, you know, so that it's tangible for our listeners? Yes. So, I mean, both those, if you look at our Alan Grace Stable Fund, both of them are core, um, you know, goals of the fund, objectives of the fund, to preserve capital, but then also to give clients a real return, growth. And we believe that both of them are important, you know, for future long-term investors. Because at the end of the day, you want to preserve clients' capital, so you don't want to lose any money. But sometimes investors forget that by just protecting on the downside, you actually might not provide a high enough return to actually beat inflation in future. So it's very important to make sure that you've got growth assets in your portfolio, which is definitely based on your risk profile and your investment horizon to ensure that you have enough money saved up for retirement and also whilst in retirement. So it's very important to look at preserving capital, so not to lose your money, but then also to actually create enough money and create enough growth to actually beat inflation as well so that inflation is not eating into your capital, if I can put it like that. How essential is uh, equity exposure? So I would say it's very essential for most investors, but it is dependent on your risk profile and your time horizon, of course. 
Um, but maybe to give you an example, so history reveals that the only asset class that has consistently delivered returns in excess of inflation is equities. So for the last five years, up until the end of last year, this has been hard to believe since the analyzed return of the Aussie, the market, was 6% compared to, as an example, Alan Gray's money market fund, 7.6%. But if we look at the last 100 years, on average, cash has given investors 1% real return and bonds 2%, while local equities have delivered 7% and global equities 5% after inflation is accounted for. So the important takeaway is that long-term investors need an allocation to carefully selected equities to protect and grow their wealth. Like we said, both those um, goals. When we talk about, uh, you know, money market funds and, you know, there's been research that says that they've done really well in the past. And um, the question, I suppose, is do we think uh, they'll do so again? But before we answer that question, can we unpack uh, money market funds um, for the listeners? Yes. So the Allengrove Money Market Fund is suitable for those investors who are highly risk averse, but they're seeking returns higher than bank deposits. So the fund invests in South African money market instruments with a term shorter than 13 months. So just as an example, these instruments can be issued by government, parastatals, corporates and banks. Um, so maybe just to get back to your first question. So we believe that it will still be a long time before money market funds enjoy the types of pre-COVID-19 returns um, of 7 to 8% while the South African Reserve Bank's Monetary Policy um, Committee's quarterly projection model proposes a repo rate about 6% by the end of 2023. That is merely just a suggestion. So against this backdrop, investors must continually re-evaluate their ability to take on risk if, of course, appropriate to their situation. So there's definitely no one-size-fits-all and for the extremely risk averse, it may make sense to stay in a money market fund or, you know, in a fund with a very low volatility. However, for real long-term growth, some exposure to riskier assets, asset classes and assets is essential. Taking into account what you've said and, you know, the description you've given uh, over the past year as a result of, um, you know, the pandemic, how does one manage perceived risk? Is, it, is there a way to do it? Yeah, so I think at the end of the day, you need to really understand what risk means. So I think that once again, you know, clients might actually end up perceiving equities as very risky. But then again, if you look at inflation, um, you know, and if you invest in asset classes that are not going to provide you enough growth, then you actually also might end up in a situation where you haven't taken on enough risk to beat inflation. So it's very important to get a clear understanding of what risk actually means. And then also to be comfortable with, you know, the risk that you need and the risk that you are comfortable with. And sometimes there's a gap there as well. And to also be aware of that gap and to then maybe, you know, address that gap by increasing your risk exposure slightly to then to be able to reach your specific goal. But it all comes down to what is your investment goal? What is your risk profile? And 
you know, what is the risk that you need to take on to reach your goal? And very often there are perceived risks and, um, you know, the volatility in the market and the fact that markets move up and down, you might perceive the market as being very risky. But at the end of the day, that is the natural cause of equity investment. Markets will be volatile and we don't necessarily see volatility as a risk, but rather um, capital protection and preserving capital. Um, that for us is, is risky if we're losing clients' capital. Speaking of losing clients' capital, I can imagine the likelihood of losing money is also one of the drivers of perceived risk. How do you then have a realistic view of that? You know, the probability of loss realistically um, so that, you know, you don't switch it in and out of, of stuff as I suppose your risk outlook starts really rising. Yeah, so... From Alan Gray's point of view, um, what we do as asset managers, so our investment philosophy, the fact that we purchase specific um, shares and assets that we invest in for lower than what they are worth, that is one way that we protect clients against risk. So it all comes down to the price that you pay for that specific asset. That's one way that we protect clients against that specific risk. And then for a client, it also comes down to what is their what is their goal? Um, what is their investment mandate? As an example, um, you know, as an example, uh, they need to look at their needs. What is their risk requirement? What's their risk appetite? Their investment objectives? Are they saving for an emergency or are they saving for the long term for retirement? Maybe, and then yeah, just looking at the short versus the long term. So altogether, that those are the factors that they need to consider. When, when looking at risk. And um, yeah, it's important to invest in the right mandate and to stay invested for the entire course. Because very often, investors also don't stay invested long enough to actually reap the rewards of a specific um, fund that they are invested in. But for Alan Gray, what we do is um, how we manage risk is all about the way that we invest. It's diversifying clients' portfolio, investing in different asset classes. It's investing from the bottom up um, and, you know, doing a fundamental analysis on the specific assets that we can invest in and then build a portfolio through that. And then also it's all about the price that we pay, making sure that we pay less than what that actual asset is worth. And then not holding on too long to it as well, but then selling it as soon as it reaches its, its actual worth, its intrinsic value. So that's how we manage risk. And then from a client's point of view, it's definitely all about taking those factors that I just mentioned now into consideration. What I love about these types of conversations is that they, you know, encourage people to look into investing, research, ask questions, uh, start conversations about, uh, you know, for instance, they... Uh, relationships with the risk and the idea of loss uh, probability it happening it not happening um what are some of the you know frequently asked questions uh, for lack of a better description that you at alan gray come across especially when it comes to first-time investors because these conversations sometimes do spur that first-time investor to actually want to have a better relationship with their money and their investments yeah so Sorry, just to phrase the question again, or are you asking what questions are we coming across? Yeah, especially um, when it that comes... Investors are? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of questions that we receive is actually about when is the right time to get into the market. 
um, you know, should I maybe try and time the market? Um, should I switch out? But what we often say is, you know, invest according to your goal and your objective and stay invested for the course of the time, for the entire course and not try and time the market because we've definitely seen in the past it, it doesn't play out for, for the best when you try and time the market. And then also don't follow the herd. So don't do what other people are doing. Like often we'll get questions from clients saying, I've seen this behavior or I've heard in the news, you know, like you were saying in the beginning, ignore some of that noise. Um, and focus also on the stuff that you can control, that's in your immediate control. Um, you know, stay invested, make sure you continue contributing to your investment and try and ignore the noise and the factors that are out of your control. Um, yeah, and then also starting to late, clients would often ask us, you know, when should we start investing? And we will say there's no better time than right away. And it doesn't have to be a lot of money. You can start with a very small um, debit order of, say, a thousand grand, and you can make your contribution to your investment. Um, so, yeah, and also very important, people will ask, well, what should I do when I invest? You know, what is my role? And we believe that the investor's role is just as important as the role of the, of the fund manager. Because at the end of the day, you should ensure that you don't react on your emotions and that you stay committed and that you don't change your investment unless your circumstances or your objectives have changed. Uh, Maurice, thank you so much uh, for your time. Really valuable insights there that you've shared uh, as they relate to uh, investing for capital preservation and growth. Uh, hopefully, we've managed to answer some questions that may, may have been burning at the back of your mind. Uh, of course, uh, thank you so much for that conversation. I've learned a lot, especially when it comes to one's relationship uh, with risk and managing that. Helping you secure your future was brought to you by Ellen Gray. Ellen Gray is an authorized financial services provider.